0: All right, welcome back to Spark XM. In this series, we're going to be exploring the journeys and reflections of Teal Fellows. In this episode, we're calling Zach Lotto, who in 2015 was one of 20 young talents selected to receive a $100,000 grant to jumpstart his new venture idea instead of pursuing higher education. In 2015, he founded Hack Club, a nonprofit which helps high schools start coding clubs. Uh, Today, there are over 200 clubs in 30 states and 13 countries worldwide. Like the other Teal fellows, Zach Latta doesn't have a bachelor's degree, but he's committed to transforming the public school learning experience. For the next 15 minutes, we'll be picking Zach's brain.
1: Yeah, so my name is Zach Latta, and I love computers. From a very early age, I kind of accidentally got started programming. I was super into this game called Club Penguin and building websites for Club Penguin turned into building web apps and eventually real apps and eventually real users. And in my life, I always felt this really strict dichotomy between what I was doing with most of my time, which was waking up at 7 a.m., going to school, participating in the band. And then what happened after school, which is I would go home and I'd work on the things that I actually really cared about and enjoyed. And in high school, I got into this really horrible place because I always felt like I was learning for someone else. And I was always being told, this is what you should be doing for your future. And I was thinking, what? Like, I know what I want to do for my future. I'm doing this at like 3 a.m. on weeknights. Um, And this eventually turned
0: into me leaving high school early after my freshman year. To put things into context, 2014, Zach left his high school in Los Angeles and moved to San Francisco to work as a back-end engineer at Yo!, the one-word messaging app that became viral that summer.
1: I started working in the technology industry, and it took me about three months to burn out. I was coming to San Francisco, and I was thinking oh my God, there's going to be all these people that are super creative and share the same values as me. And I think from a very early age, I was always really feeling the sense of like, I have a duty to give back to the rest of the world. In San Francisco, at least for the company I was working for, I didn't feel much of that at all. Actually, in many ways, I felt the exact opposite and I became really disillusioned. So I ended up leaving the company I was at and I started a nonprofit to build what I wish I had when I was in high school.
0: After leaving Yo, Zach stayed in San Francisco instead of moving back to Los Angeles, where he developed his nonprofit Hack Club. Zach wanted to teach high schoolers that coding is a superpower that anyone can acquire. If you're a high school student interested in starting a coding club at your school, the Hack Club website is designed to be the ideal resource for jumpstarting that process. Welcomed by a splash of color and a nod to America's individualistic slogan, by the students, for the students. Uh, Students apply to lead their own franchise of Hack Club. Zach's team provides guidance along the way, even including a 15-song Spotify playlist to play at the first meeting, and dozens of workshop materials to explore throughout the school year. Uh, These clubs meet after school once a week for 90 minutes, and eventually graduate to building their own coding projects. Uh, Clubs at these schools then grow, run hackathons, and seek to impact their broader community.
1: It's really cool to see what students are starting to do together. Clubs have run hackathons over the past year with over 2,000 attendees at them. And we're starting to hit the point where I think we're we're seeing what education by the students for the students can look like. So I'm pretty optimistic for the future because I think that there can be change in public education. I think that change needs to come from the outsiders, and I think the best outsiders are the students.
0: Now, don't forget that Zach himself had a very different high school experience than most teens in the US. But this was the route Zach sought for, an alternative to the traditional public school format.
1: Part of my frustration with public schools, uh, at least here in the US, is that when you look at the million different people that make up, quote unquote, the public school experience, uh, when you look at the students, the parents, the teachers, the faculty, the policy makers, the people writing the textbooks, The people that are doing the curriculum standardization, every single one of these people has the right intentions most of the time. But when you really start to look at them and ask who are they building for, who is their user, who is the textbook writer really writing that textbook for, it's never the student. If we're lucky, it's the teacher. And that shocks me, and I think that is why we have so many problems. The reality is at most schools, students are not excited to wake up in the morning and go to the classroom. And when we're talking about having these amazing outcomes like empowered students, lifelong learners, we want to be creating citizens of the world, you need to be building for the students if you're going to do that. So really, I think the problems in public education are problems of incentives. And I think that if you're going to change this, I think you need to be looking at it from a perspective of incentives. This is the reason why new curriculum won't change anything and hasn't changed anything. This is why traditional education reform, there were a ton of researchers in the 70s that tried to to not necessarily change the curriculum, but change how we teach to the curriculum. And that didn't work. And this is why technology in the classroom didn't work. It seems like every 10 years, there's this new, bold idea that's going to change the face of public schools. But the reality is it doesn't change the incentives. And then we just start having the same conversation again 10 years later.
0: Zach's vision of a new education system that is built on top of a new set of incentives culminates in his design of hack clubs. But in order to see how he came to these conclusions, it's important to hear about his own experience, because the kind of public education that Zach experienced in Los Angeles was abjectly unfulfilling to him. From his perspective, the classroom seemed more geared for passing exams and not as much for him to actually learn the material. And for me, this started to make me feel like a cog in the machine, especially when I was learning subjects like the humanities. It's all about
1: not being a cog in the machine. And uh, (laughs) I ended up getting into this really deep and and really dark place. It was actually pretty horrible at the beginning of high school. So this was at the end of my freshman year, where I tried to take as many classes as possible because I said, you know what, if I'm going to do high school, I'm going to do high school. The best possible way I can take high school I was doing like nine units. I was staying up until three a.m. every night. I had my sleeping down to a science, and it was horrible. And and I think part of the problem here is at most schools, unless you're lucky to go to a school where you have particularly good teachers, or you are able to find some way out, it just doesn't work. There's no sense of reward. And this was hard for me because I don't know. It was. It just felt like I kept banging my head against the wall trying to get to the other side, and the wall just kept cracking my forehead. It was horrible. But the reality is, there is something wrong when students come to class and are not excited to be there.
0: Now, let's backtrack a little bit to before Zach moved to San Francisco and before he even dropped out of high school, an important chance meeting occurred that changed the entire trajectory of his life.
1: When I was either at the very end of being 14 or at the very beginning of being 15, I got really lucky. I convinced my parents to drive me out to a game design event that was happening at USB. And I met a lot of people that were like not just twice, but like three times my age. And these people were like my heroes because they'd worked on stuff that like I had used. And up until this point I'd never really met anyone that was remotely interested in in the same sort of thing I was. It was it was really an extraordinarily isolating experience not knowing anyone else that cared about the same stuff you do. So that was was an amazing 24 hours out of time. And after it, one of the people, Dave Padilla, reached out to me and said, hey Zach, do you want a job? And I was like, oh my God, I will do anything. You don't have to pay me. And he he put me in touch with two people he knew that were starting a small game design company. And they're working on an app for the iPhone called Football Heroes. This is going to be this new football game. So I'm like, yeah, like can we be in person and can like do you want to do an interview or something? And they said, yes, yeah, please come to our office. And I, I convinced my parents. They were like, what, what, what the hell is happening? I convinced them to drive me out to their office. And we get there and we're like, is this the right address? <laughs> because we're in like a neighborhood, like we're in like. We're like South of Korea town, and they're like, we're like near apartments and stuff, and the address we're at is like a house, it's like a duplex. We're like, I guess so. So we I knock on the door, and they come down, and we go upstairs, and, and it's one of their apartments, and their office was the extra bedroom. Uh, and Michael, one of the, one of the founders of the apartments, they interviewed me on uh, Michael's dining room table. And, and a couple of weeks later, um, after going through the process with them, they ended up making an offer to me. Uh, and it, the offer was, like, beyond anything I could have ever expected at the time. I was going to be paid minimum wage to work at a game with another programmer. And it was like, what? Like, this is absurd. He, they totally took a chance on me, um, and I was super lucky. I, I worked with them part-time while I was a freshman <laughs> in high school. And then over that summer, I, I worked with them full-time. And, uh, wow. that time changed my life. I probably did more harm than good to the game in reality. I, I, I was a terrible programmer, uh, but I got a lot better, and oh my god, it was so great to, to work with people that actually knew what they were doing. And, and that was an extraordinary experience. And we ended up launching it a couple months uh, later, and it ended up getting pretty popular. Um, we were featured on the App Store. Uh, we became the number one game on the App Store. There were like articles written about it. It was completely... Crazy to, to see people using this thing that I made a contribution to. That was like, wow, this is not just a bunch of ideas in my head. This is something that is real. Uh, and, I, and I ended up going to help out at a workshop that was happening, um, and we were we were teaching people how to how to like build some sort of first project. Like, I forgot what the project was, and one of the students came up to me and me asked, "Did you, you work on this game?" And they showed me Football Heroes. And that was the first time I'd ever met anyone in person that played the game that I worked on. And then he went on to explain to me, like, this is the most popular game at school. everyone's playing it together. And that was when I was like, holy crap, coding is the closest thing we have to a superpower. Somewhere during that period of when I was working on this game, coding went from, like, the fun thing that I was doing in my free time to something that was real. I specifically remember when the game was launched. I, I was literally at a Starbucks procrastinating and wanting to do that when I was procrastinating was I'd check the app store and just like see what if there are any like new things that were interesting. And I was my you through the app store and I was like, wait, holy crap, that's my game. And, and this was at a point when, when Apple still had to review your app before you launched them and um, at that point Apple didn't really tell you when they launched them, they just like put it on the store. Uh, so we didn't know that it was launched yet. And to be that, it was to, to meet the students that came up to me and asked, you work on this? And then I think for my parents to, to see people actually using this thing, it was like, oh, my God, wait, like, this is real. I think that inspired a lot of confidence. I think that when you're, when you're in high school and really in a lot of other circumstances, uh, it's, it's really hard to know what is just in your head. And, and what is something that is real and valuable. I think that this is particularly common in, in startups, like a founder, where it's easy to psych yourself out. One of the lessons I learned from that period was the importance of having mechanisms to make sure that the things I'm doing are real. So I go out of my way to always talk with my students at Hack Club because for us, in a program that's in a lot of high schools, and i rarely at the high schools in person because my time needs to be spent fundraising, my time needs to be spent doing things that the clubs themselves can't do, which is like operations and, and like strategy. So I make a point to always talking to students to know that what Hack club is doing and the impact that Hack club is having is actually real and not just like some narrative I'm making up in my head. And I also have kind of learned the value of doing that with, with other people in my life, whether it's my parents or, or whether it's my partners or whether it's people I am think like, of working with or whether it's someone I'm trying to hire.
0: Through Hack Club, it seems that Zach is trying to provide other students the same kind of Eureka-like experience that he had felt as a young adult, but it's scale to hundreds of high schools around the world.
1: I really see Hack Club as a way to Trojan horse public schools. Uh, because really when, when you look at it, computer science is a subject that every school wants to teach, but nobody knows how to. It's also the fastest growing class of all time. In 2012, depending on how you looked at it, either 1 in 20 or 1 in 10 high schools taught computer science. Now that number is 1 in 2. And the way schools are implementing this, to, to make it easier to implement, they've also, they've lowered the quality standards. So, A typical computer science class today is a curriculum in a box. So you'll take a teacher who's never written any code before, put them through usually a two- to three-week professional development program over the summer with a pre-made curriculum that they're just going to be teaching exactly the way they're trying to teach it, and then they're let loose and they go out and tell students this is what computer science is. And these are people that usually cannot code themselves. And the current dialogue in in the learn-to-code industry is that you don't need to know how to code to teach coding, and I think that's ridiculous. So we're at an interesting point where a lot of schools are implementing implementing CS and a lot of students really aren't liking the CS that is being implemented. And Hack Club can come in to schools that either don't have computer science and become the extracurricular computer science program or come to schools that are starting to implement it and show like this is what it really can look like. The way I see Hack Club growing is over the next few years, we're going to continue to see the outcomes that we're seeing today. We're going to be seeing a lot more of them. And my view is that if we build enough amazing clubs at enough high schools, we can start a dialogue around what computer science education could look like. Because really, this is a sort of David versus Goliath situation. And I club is David. And if we can start the dialogue in a few years from now that, looks we like this four-year program, um, it's entirely by students for students, there's really no cost associated with it because it's entirely free and open source. And tackles are having better outcomes than the computer science classes. That is, I think, a way to start influencing what classrooms look like.
0: In the past couple years, Zaxlon Profit gained a lot of authority in designing this ideal classroom with its expansion overseas, to be exact, again, in 30 states and 13 countries worldwide. But its implementation wasn't a perfect path.
1: We faced a lot of really existential threats. I think that in any organization, you probably have quite a few times in the ask, is this it? And, oh, my God, we've had a lot of them. The, the one thing which I think was the critical point for HackMob, and really the turning point for the organization, at least until today, was at the beginning we had a lot of ideas. We spent about a year trying to figure out different ways to implement computer science education. And we tried a lot of things. We tried different ways of teaching it. We had, we said like maybe we don't teach it in person. Maybe it's like this way you do it online. And the turning point for Hack Club was when in January 2016 we said, okay, let's just stop. Let's pick one and let's just deploy it and do it. So that's when Hack Club launched January 2016. We picked the model that we were most optimistic about and we just went out and started close. And we decided that nothing mattered besides the number of active clubs. That was the only number we were going to focus on. We had a lot of concerns about quality, and that singular focus ended up being the thing that made of the organization is today. Because the reality is when you're starting any type of project, whether it's an organization like or Hack Club, whether it's a startup, or whether it's just a side project with your friends, the thing that drives, you need something that's going to drive the project forward. And it's so easy to get in your head. And it's so easy to constantly question your decisions. When you go out into the real world with a singular focus, that makes it real. Um, and I think that was when Hackwell became real for us. Um, when we went out with that singular focus, and um, that is really when I, I started to be really happy with some of the outcomes we were seeing. Sometimes as a leader, you need to look at all the noise and find, the, and not just necessarily just find the signal and the noise. But create the signal and the noise, and that's what we did. I think that was a really big turning point. I, I really think it's important that that more people go out and do the change that they want to see in the world, because the reality is like, if you don't do it, it's not going to happen, uh, or someone's going to go out and do it and mess it up. And and I really think that, um, especially in the 21st century, that we need to be aware that, like, we, like, yes, there is, there is no inherent meaning in the universe. Yes, nothing matters. Um, <laughs> but when you really look at the individual moments, um, the interactions between you and me, and, and when you are with someone and, and something special happens, like, we can find meaning in that. And and I think it's easy to to discard a lot of the bad that's happening in the world of, oh, whatever it is well, maybe like, it doesn't matter, um, or, or just kind of not take it with the severity that uh, we, we maybe should. And I'm lucky because I, because I really see myself as a citizen of the world, um, not of San Francisco, not of California, not of the United States, but really of, of humanity. And I think that's a result of, when I look at the biggest mentor I've had in my life, that's been the Internet. That was, that was, that was the people that was helping me that were helping me learn to program on IRC uh, back when I was, like, way too young to be in IRC chat rooms. And my parents would been terrified if they found out what I was doing. And, and I think that kind of instilled a deep sense of duty and responsibility in me, and I, I really hope that the Internet and kind of the actions of other human beings can do that for a lot of others going forward, because I think that the Internet can be just an incredibly important uniting force.
0: We would like to thank Zach for taking the time to talk with us about his thoughts on education and his process building Hack Club across the country and beyond. We'd like to especially thank you, our listeners, for taking the time out of your day to tune into Spark XM. If you haven't already, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Ankur Sogi, and I hope you join us next time. Thank you.